We do have a Bible study, Matthew chapter 19. We entered into Matthew 19, if you'll turn there in your Bibles. Last week, as we continue our verse-by-verse study in Matthew, and as we open up the chapter, Jesus has left the Galilee and is headed for Jerusalem. There's a great multitude that is following him. He was healing them. And in that great multitude, as Jesus is on the far side of the Jordan, keep in mind the Pharisees were in that crowd. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, which includes the Sadducees, are mounting their opposition against Jesus. And that would include, as Matthew records here in chapter 19, they came testing Jesus. In other words, they come probing him. They, they're taking these spiritual jabs at him. They're trying to find a reason to accuse him or to try to get the people to leave him. So they're asking very select, controversial questions. And last week, as we opened up the chapter, they came and asked him about marriage and divorce. And we saw that in that time that there was different thoughts about marriage and divorce like there is today. And Jesus, he shows us the heart of God. He gives us the word of God concerning marriage and divorce. First of all, he said, have you guys not read that in the beginning that he made them male and female, given the definition of marriage, first of all, between a man and a woman, that a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So when that man and that woman enters into the covenant of marriage, then they become one flesh. So not only the definition of marriage, but second of all, the desire of marriage. And that is, Jesus went on speaking with authority. He would say that what God has joined together, let not man separate or put asunder. And then we concluded at looking at divorce in marriage. And I pray that it was helpful for you who took in that teaching. Because a very important subject, there's a lot of voices out there concerning marriage and divorce it's important for us to understand God's heart on marriage, what his word has to say. He is the one that ordained marriage in the beginning. And I also want to remind you that even though it is God's desire that a man and a woman keep their marriage vows for as long as they both shall live, God calls it a holy institution. He says, I hate divorce, not the divorced person. He hates what divorce does to families. But it does the couples, the hurt that it brings, uh, the separation that it brings. But we also know that there is forgiveness when there is divorce. And now as we continue here, I want to take the time to talk to singles as he talks about singleness. Because it's a subject that can be ignored in the church today. And then us bringing our children to Jesus as we're going to see in our text. So Father, I do pray that this morning that our hearts would be teachable. Because what we are going to read once again, just as we did last week, that the things that you say concerning not only marriage, uh, but singleness, uh, about raising our children in the ways of the Lord, so much of it flies right in the face of what the world tells us to do. And so, Lord, we want to hear your heart and your word on this. And, Lord, we want to be teachable. We don't want to dismiss it. We don't want to snicker at it. But, Lord, we know your word is true. We know that the grass will wither and the flower will fade. But the word of God will stand forever. We know that your commandments are given to us an expression of your love and are not burdensome to us, but to free us that we may do well. 
to experience that abundant life that you have for us. So, Lord, I just pray that we, once again, would have hearts that are teachable right now, our ears open to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So when it comes to singleness, we have in the fellowship here, we have young singles, we have um, older singles, maybe divorced parents, um, single parents, we have uh, widows, widowers. Um, There are a number of people that are single that go here to Calvary Chapel. And I want to encourage you, if you're in that state, what God's word has to say. And as we see Jesus talking about marriage in the first 10 chapters, or 10 verses of the chapter. And he begins to, as, to talk about singleness. The disciples were understanding the seriousness of what Jesus was saying. Because they responded in verse 10 that if that's the case, it's better not to marry. So Jesus now says in verse 11 as, 11, as we pick up our text, But he said to them, All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdoms of heaven's sake. And he who is able to accept it, let him accept it. So when it comes to being single or in the state of being single, uh, there are some who are called to it, but we also know that there are those who are single and have desired to be married. And as we read God's word, we need to know that God says that to be married to one who finds a wife, that it is a good thing. To be married is a good state. But also, listen, those of you who are single, the Bible also comes along and says to be in a single state can be good as well. And Paul is writing about that to the Corinthian church as they're asking about singleness, they're asking about marriage and keeping their marriage vows. And and Paul, he says, for those of you who are single, he says there is an advantage that you have. It's good to be single in that, that you can focus on serving the Lord. You don't have uh, the responsibilities when you have a spouse or when you have children that you're raising if you're just single and you're a widow. But some of you, perhaps you are single, you're raising your kids, it's an awesome responsibility. And I want to encourage you in that, that the Lord desires to work in your life, whether you're married or whether you are single. And the Bible emphasizes live for God where you are right now, whether married or whether single, as God has called you to walk in that place right now. And what the apostle was writing to the church of Corinth is, whatever your status is, that God will work in your life. You see, what can happen is a mindset can be developed. We can begin to think, Lord, I know that you would work in my life if I was married. Lord, I know that you would work in my life if I were single. And the Lord wants to work now, and he desires for you to seek him now. And he can use you now. And in our culture, there can be a lot of pressure and expectations of, well, you're really not going to enjoy life until you get married. And we don't want to give that message to those who are single that, you know, why aren't you married? Or, you know, you won't be happy till you do get married. Listen, the Lord desires to have you have joy in your life now in the state that you're in. And I know that some are called to singleness And they're happy in being single. They know that that's what God has called them to do. And those of you who are single, who are desiring to get married, there's nothing wrong with having that desire. But know this, that the Lord desires to bless you now and work in your life. I believe God wants you to have joy right now 
in whatever state that you're in, whatever age that we're at. So you who are single, there's three things I want to give to you. Number one, you trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and where he has you right now. God is working in your life and desires to use you and to teach you. And if you can trust him with your salvation, you can trust him with your life. It was the psalmist that wrote in Psalm 84, No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And as you are trusting in him and staying close to him, he's working in your life. He's working in growing you and maturing you and, and doing things in your life that, that he desires to do. And he wants to use you right now. And you can be free, many who are single, and I know not everyone who's single. You know, you have responsibilities if you're a single parent. But those of you who are hung, younger and, and you are single, to really go for it in the Lord, to serve the Lord in that capacity. So number one, trust in the Lord. And second of all, grow in the Lord. You keep learning and you keep growing. And, and God wants to use you. I can't help but think about 2 Kings chapter 5. Many of us know this story, that there was this... Syrian general. He would make raids into Israel and he would bring some captives back and his name was Naaman. And Naaman made a raid into Israel and he ends up bringing back this, this young girl and she ended up being a servant in his household. Well, Naaman ends up getting leprosy, uh, deadly. And she would say this young girl that was brought back from Israel to be a servant in his house that she said, if only you knew the man of God, Elijah, then you would be healed of your leprosy. And Naaman, when he heard that message of hope, he went to see Elijah. And Elijah said, dip in the river seven times, the Jordan River. And he did that. And he came up and he was healed. He was cleansed. And we know that he became a believer. But she was used to give that message of hope. It wasn't like, well, I'm in captivity. I hope he dies. You know, I'm miserable. I'm not going to give any words of encouragement. He doesn't deserve it. She was used by the Lord to bring salvation to Naaman. And you, maybe you're single and you're saying, I want to be married. Nothing wrong with that desire. But you trust in the Lord and rest in his love. You grow in the Lord and then this is the hard part. You wait on the Lord. You wait on him to bring you a spouse if you desire. That, that godly man, that godly woman and you continue to grow and mature and look to him in the state that you're in and to know that he is working. And you, young ladies, and any of you that are single that are ladies, you wait for that godly man to come along who is going to lead you, who is going to be one that is going to pray with you, who's going to lead you spiritually just as we looked at the roles of husbands and wives last week, one who's going to come along and take very seriously your relationship and keeping your relationship pure. You know, one of the things that isn't popular at all today is speaking about purity when it comes to those who are single, who are dating, who are going out. And more and more Christians even are thinking that it's okay if I'm sexually involved with them, if I'm living with my boyfriend or my girlfriend, I want you to understand clearly what God's word has to say. He says no. He says no. It's not okay. 
And he desires for you to stay pure. And guys, you lead in that. And that is something that is not popular in today's culture. It's not popular in society today. But that's what the word of God declares to you. You wait for that one who's going to lead you in a godly way. Don't be unequally yoked. Who's going to lead you in other areas? So, ladies, I got, and it's for guys too, but I, I got some advice from old Pastor Jeff. Paul would write in Acts, and he would say to the Ephesian elders, that I've not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God's word. But he would also go on and he would say, that you know what manner of man I was in all seasons. So here's my advice. Take all seasons. Take all seasons to get to know that individual. And what Paul was talking about, he began to talk about his character and his commitment to ministry. He began to talk about how he was committed to the Lord even through the trials and difficulties. You know what manner of man I was in all seasons, to take that time to know that individual. How are they going to react? Not just in the good times, but in the difficult times, in the challenging times. And if you have somebody that you are dating and they are leading you into sin, if they're leading you into sin before you get married, they're going to lead you into sin after you get married. If there is compromise before you get married, there's going to be compromise after you get married. So I want to encourage you, you wait on the Lord and you desire to have that godly mate, whether it's you know, a, a young man, whether it's a man that comes into your life, for you guys, for a godly woman to come along, you keep yourselves pure, you learn to grow together, you look to the Lord. And as you do, you're going to see that the Lord's going to bless you. But I will tell you this, that God will not bless sin. He will not bless sin. And if you're going to go by the way of the world, see, that's one of the things that we are seeing as we're going through, you know, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, as we went through Isaiah, that the Lord was speaking to a nation that was looking to Egypt. Egypt, you solve our problems. Egypt, you be our help. Egypt, you be our philosophy. We're going to look to you. And the Lord said, Egypt, which is a picture of the world, is not going to be your help. Matter of fact, Egypt's going down. They're going down to the pit, as we saw last week in our teaching of Ezekiel. And if you follow the ways of the world and the philosophy of the world and the trends of the world... And what's popular in the world, you're going to see that you're going to be cheated. Not because I say so, because the word of God says so. And Paul says, don't be cheated by those things, but in him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So we can trust the, words, the word of God given to you and his promises given to you. And if you desire to please the Lord in your relationships with another as you're dating or courting, whatever you want to call it, getting to know somebody... He will bless you as you desire to honor him, to please him. But you live a life that is pleasing to him, and you live in purity. And don't let anybody snow you saying that it doesn't matter. You know, it's not that big a deal. It is a big deal. I am amazed how many single people think that it's okay to be involved in sin, and it's not. So after singleness, and after he talks about marriage, we see here that 
uh, children are brought to him, verse 13. Then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. And I don't think it was an accident or a coincidence that right after Jesus talks about marriage, that Matthew now records how Jesus was ministering to the children. And these children, little children, Luke records in chapter 18 of his gospel that the infants were brought to Jesus. And he would lay his hands on them and pray blessing for them. And as we read here that the disciples rebuked them, don't picture the disciples rebuking the children. Don't picture Peter yelling at a little kid saying, hey, you, beat it, scram, get out of here. He doesn't want to see you. He's too busy. They were rebuking the parents that were bringing bringing the children to Jesus. And Jesus rebuked his disciples and said, don't do that. Don't do that. And it wasn't the first time that the disciples tried to keep people from coming or receiving from Jesus. Remember chapter 14 in the feeding of the 5,000? It's getting late, and the disciples come to Jesus and said, hey, send the people away, send them away. And Jesus said, you feed them, you minister to them. The next chapter, the Canaanite woman, she's crying out, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. She was pleading. She was in agony concerning her daughter. And it was the disciples. What was their response? Man, she cries out to us, send her away. She's driving us crazy. But I want you to always remember this and to tell others this as well, that Jesus invites us to come to him. And for you who feel like, Lord, maybe you are too busy. Lord, you don't care. Maybe you're upset with me, angry, disappointed at me. He says, come. If there needs to be repentance, come to him. If there needs to be a confession of sin, go to him. If you need to be corrected, but he loves you and he wants you to come to him so he can work in your life and so that closeness and intimacy can be restored. But you go to him. He isn't hidden from you. You might think that, Lord, is David, and I know there's been times where I felt this way. How long, oh Lord, will you hide from me? How long will you forget me? He hasn't forgotten you. Matter of fact, we talked about last week in Psalm 139 how David writes, Oh, your thoughts towards me are innumerable, more than the sands on the sea. He is constantly thinking about you. He wants you to come to him. Mark Gospel tells us that Jesus was greatly displeased with the disciples at this time. It's the only time in the Gospels where he was greatly displeased with his disciples. It wasn't when they were arguing who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. It wasn't when they didn't understand the teaching. It was at this time. He would be displeased. He would be angry at the religious leaders that kept people from coming to him. So don't forbid the children to come to me, those children brought to Jesus by the parents. It was, first of all, three things I'm going to give to you who are parenting or being grandparents, that number one, it is a priority for Jesus to minister to children. It was a priority for him to minister to them. And we've talked about this in the previous chapter, how God's heart towards children, he would take a child and use a child as an example of being great in the kingdom. Jesus did not use one of the scribes. He did not use one of the scholars or a rich individual, a person of prestige. Matter of fact, next week we're going to see 
the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus, and Jesus is going to point out something that is going wrong in his life, a, a problem in his life, and the guy goes away sorrowful. It's a very important lesson for us next week. But he would give a sobering warning after he talks about being great in the kingdom of God is to receive a child, and then he would warn about stumbling the faith of a child. So it was something that we discussed a couple weeks ago. So God, the Son of God, blessing the children, and always remember that God loves and prioritizes children. And we as a church, we need to, as much as we can, that we need to prioritize ministering to children. I hope that we never see children's ministry or the nursery as just child care. Or just put them in a corner and we'll, you know, have them, you know, color. We, we do activities with them, but there are those who are on staff. There are those who volunteer, been committed to teaching your children at their level the gospel and the word of God. And it's incredible what they're learning and ministering and loving them. And teaching them at their level. And it's a privilege for us to do that. And we take that very, very seriously to the youth. We have an opportunity to bring them to Jesus, to give them the truth of God's word. So we see Jesus' priority in ministering to the children. But secondly, we see the priority of the parents to bring them to Jesus. This is important. I believe that oftentimes we picture here just the moms bringing the children to Jesus. But I like to think that it was also the fathers that were bringing them to Jesus as well. Parents, we know that we're instructed to raise our children in the admonition of the Lord. To train up a child in the way that they should go. Deuteronomy chapter, five, or chapter 6 verses 5 and 6, I'll read it to you. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. And the words which I command you today, the Lord says, shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. So we are to instruct our children in the ways of the Lord. We are called to disciple our children. And we are told here that we are to pray for them as modeled by our Lord. And I can't stress enough the importance of praying for our children, especially in these days that we are living in, to be teaching them and to be sharing them, to be an example to them. You see, parents, here's the thing. If we are ones that we tell our kids, you need to go to church, and I, I've had parents say this, to live, you know, go to church and to learn some morals and, and learn religion or whatever the case may be, and here they are learning the word of God, and then you're living in a contrary way at home. It's a mixed message, and it won't work. I'm going to be real honest with you. Over the years, we had kids, we had youth that come here, and they're angry. They're confused. They're upset. Because they're told to live one way, and yet they're watching their parents live another way. Drunkenness, alcohol, and drugs being used in the home, foul language, pornography being watched. And they notice those things. And listen, if any of us are doing anything that we know is harming our children spiritually, we need to stop. We need to stop and we need to be an example to them. Listen, none of us are perfect parents. I'm not a perfect parent. And I can look back at the years and I can, there's some do-overs I wish that I had. But I can go to them and I can talk with them 
I can ask for their forgiveness. I can ask God for forgiveness. And Lord, help me be the dad that you've called me to be. And the enemy is working overtime with our kids. It saddens me to see the kids that have grown up in the church are walking away from the faith more than ever. They're buying into the world that I can live any way that I want. I'm going to live for myself. Because I know that they are missing out on what God has for them. That this religious stuff, that was for mom and dad. And I know that we, many of us, have done our best in raising our children in the ways of the Lord. And they need to make a decision for that. And perhaps you have a prodigal. You keep praying for them. And you keep lifting them up before the Lord. That Lord, bring them home. But for you who have little ones at home, those under your roof, you be an example to them. You tell them how much Jesus means to you and what he's done for you. Do you pray with them and for them? Do you be that godly mom, godly dad, that, that godly grandparent? And you fathers that are here, this is part of your responsibility, and that is you leading your home. And I know that you might be thinking, well, I, I've got this job. I've got to work these long hours. I've got this obligation, these commitments, and all the pressures. I don't have a lot of time. And I understand that. And I'm sure that your family appreciates you working hard for them. But it was Job. Job in the Old Testament that would rise up early and offer sacrifices for his ten children. Job was called a righteous man, and he was a blessed man. And during the days of the feast, as his children were celebrating, Job knew that they were vulnerable, that there was temptation and things all around them that could pull him into sin. So he would get up early, and he would offer a sacrifice for each one of his children. And that wasn't easy to offer a burnt offering for them. And I think that Job is a wonderful example to us dads and to us moms and grandparents how we are to make it a priority to get up early, whatever that means for you each day, and to offer a sacrifice of intercession for our children and to take the time to get them into the truth of God's word. Because if you don't do it, they will be more vulnerable to be pulled into the world into sin. And we know that the temptations and the pulls out there on our kids is great and numerous. And Satan is working overtime on our kids. Do you think the world has a message of hope for them? The world isn't telling them that there's a creator that made them and loves them and has a plan for them. They're being told there is no God. You know, you don't need to, to, to look to God. Live any way that you want. You're a product of a monkey. What kind of message is that to our kids? And that's why bring them here for Vacation Bible School, because we're going to tell them that God made them, and his word is true for them, and he loves them, and sent his son to die for them, and has a wonderful plan for them. As I know my thoughts toward you, says the Lord, the thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And I want to remind us that the enemy doesn't want us to have a strong family. He doesn't want you to have a strong marriage. He wants to come at you and try to drive a wedge between husband and wife, between parents and children. And I know that can happen at times to where maybe the kids, when they, they walk away from the Lord, but you keep loving them, you keep praying for them, you keep giving them truth. Mom and dads, that you ask the Lord to help you to have a strong marriage 
to ask for help in the roles and responsibilities that are given to husbands and wives that we talked about last week is God wants you to have a strong marriage and a strong family. To remind you guys of Exodus 32, 34, you've heard me teach on this. Moses, you lead the people to the place that I have spoken to you. And if the Lord isn't speaking to you, if you're not in the word and being sensitive to hearing the word of the Lord, how are you going to lead your family? Where are you going to lead them? Where are you going to lead them? In the weirdness of the world? We all need to be hearing from the Lord. And that includes me. To be like Joshua, who was told in Joshua chapter 1, that you be strong and courageous. And then the people came to Joshua and said, Joshua, we have one thing that we ask of you. You be strong and of good courage. And there are people in our lives, your children, your grandchildren, your spouse, those who are linked to you in your life, they need us to be strong and of good courage that we are going to say, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to stand on the word of God. And I'm going to look to the Lord to help me to be the man, the woman, the husband, the wife, the grandfather grandparent, the, the whoever that you want me to be, Lord, in the state that I am in, and to humble ourselves and ask God for help and to experience that abundant life that he has for you and for me. He wants so much for us. If we wouldn't buy into the lies of the world and the deception of the world, watch out. And do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Thirdly, it's a privilege to bring them to Jesus. Do you know that? It's a privilege to bring them to Jesus. Every time that you do it at home, when you bring them here. You know, we've had kids that have come, they say, you know, and again, I don't say this condemningly. I say this very honestly. I know summer's coming, we, we get busy, we need to get away for the weekends and all that stuff, but... The kids that want to come to church and their parents say, nah, you know, we're going to watch a football game. Nah, we're going to do some other things. Don't want to get dressed. Don't want to go to church. Bring them. And then you come. One of the things that this last year has really shown me, we need each other. More than ever. Because it's brutal out there. And we need to be praying for each other and for our kids and for our families. And I hope that you see it as a privilege to come here for us to bring you to Jesus, for you to bring your kids to Jesus, for us together to come to him. Because we are in the last days, as I said. And it's challenging, and it is a battle out there. So we need that encouragement to be built up. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. I thank you for... Lord, these verses that we looked at, there's so much to talk about. But Lord, we need your help in our marriages, as parents, as grandparents, whatever state we find ourselves in being single. Lord, I just want to pray. As we talked about raising our kids in the ways of the Lord, I know that the some that are here have a prodigal, a son, a daughter, a grandchild that has walked away from the Lord, living for themselves, living in sin after the world, and it breaks our hearts. We pray that you would bring them home. We know that you love them. 
We know that you want to work in their lives, so we just lift them up to you because there's always hope in you. As parents, help us to raise our children, those that are at home in the ways of the Lord. We need your help to be a godly example. I pray for every marriage that is here that you keep that marriage strong and work in that marriage. I know there's different situations. But Lord, that you would bless. And Lord, that you would work. I pray for those who are single. And Lord, that they would know you love them and you're working. They would wait on you. There's that desire to be married. Nothing wrong with that. But to wait on you to bring that godly man, that godly woman. Lord, whatever state we find ourselves in, to look to you and rest in your love. Stand on your promises that you will not withhold anything good. Father, I do pray if there's anyone here that you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, that he is your salvation. It isn't found in the church. It isn't found by trying to be religious. It's found in faith in Jesus Christ, what he did for you on that cross. That's where it begins. To ask for forgiveness for your sins. Because Jesus, as he hung on that cross, he was thinking about you, and he did it for you. It was his love for you that kept him on that cross, not the nails. So all your sins were placed upon him, and he made atonement for your sin. He cried out, it is finished. He did the work, he paid the price, and he was put into a grave, and he rose again after three days. He proved he's the son of God. He conquered sin and death. He validated he's the son of God. And the Bible says that as you call upon him, as you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You come in faith, you humble yourself, and you ask for forgiveness for him now to be the Lord of your life. And you can pray sincerely where you are this morning that Jesus, I come to you and I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I believe you are the Son of God who died for me. You rose again. Be my personal Lord and Savior. I thank you for this new beginning, and I do want to know you and walk with you. I thank you for bringing me into the family of God, and I thank you for your love for me. And I do want to walk with you, Lord. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. And now as we come to the communion table, that as we remember what Jesus did on that cross, what he did in allowing his body to be broken and blood shed, Jesus said, take of the, the bread, take of the cup in remembrance of me. We do that as we just continue the worship. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.